0: Welcome back, everyone, to uh, the Polk Experience. Uh, Jack Cormier here with
1: Donnie Smith, special guest host for you today,
0: filling in for uh, for Kevin. Thank you for being here. So no relation.
1: That's it, Kevin Smith, but no relation. I'm sure somewhere deep if we if we get into the genealogy, we might be able to find some. Somewhere. We back just haven't there. gotten to that yet. There you go.
0: So and with uh, the coach of the fire, Adrian Denkel, the baseball coach.
2: Welcome, coach. I appreciate you guys having me.
0: And first baseman catcher, I'm gonna let you pronounce the last name because I'm gonna kill it. Yes, no, it's uh, Nick Batari. Batari. So yes. not as bad, not as tough as I thought it was gonna no, be. Yeah, it's pretty pretty tough. so. All right, I, I gotta say right off the bat, Yankees fan? Yeah, Yankees oh, fan. Big Yankees fan. Oh, oh, really? You lined up the Yankees fan <laughs> absolutely for the, for the guy born in Boston. It makes for good radio. Okay, okay. Of <laughs> <laughs> so, it's been good talking to you. That's no, only kids. So, uh, so the fire is off into the NAIA bracket. Uh, it's the first time that the Southeastern has hosted it here
1: at Winter Haven at the Chain this week. It's a pretty exciting time. You know, we've we've been in a number of these opening rounds. They've. Sent us all across the southeast. One, uh, one in Kingsport, Tennessee. Uh, played at William Carey, in just outside of Atlanta. Uh, played in Mississippi. Been at a lot of different places. And every time we've gone, it's it's always been a thought of you know it'd be really neat if we could do this at home. If our players could sleep in their own beds, not have to worry about a lot of logistics. Uh, so we we've partnered up with with Visit Central Florida and and Polk County Tourism Sports Marketing. And I think we're going to put together a really good tournament, a great experience, and a former spring. Training venue,
0: and and I mean the great thing about the chain this this is you know actually going to be maybe be one of the chain's swan songs so historic but going to be renovated uh, fairly soon as they're sort of working through the plans. Uh, coach, any
2: history in in Winter Haven before? I've, I mean I've, we've been out there played out there with some Russ Matt games. Uh, first time we'll actually be on this actual stadium field. We we played some games on those backfields. And so we're looking uh, forward to getting out there in the stadium. And, uh, the you know,
0: backfields, which are, which are <laughs> famous for. Did it, did it rain at all? Did it sprinkle?
2: Well, really windy though. Okay. But yeah, okay. That, it was good.
0: So that's, that's always the, uh, the joke about those backfields is they're so close to the water level that uh, just a sprinkle and it's flooded <laughs> it's and that's it. So,
1: no, we were, we were out there the other day for practice. I think some of the guys saw 420 to center field and, and might have gotten a little bit nervous. But, you know, the wind that that coach was talking about, I think it was blowing the right way that time. And I think there was some confidence built. And speaking of wind and confidence in
0: and, and for, well, center field, uh, sir, Congratulations. Breaking the Sun Conference home run record.
3: Oh, thank you. I appreciate
0: it. Yeah. So, what's it like? Tell us about.
3: Uh, it's 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 a cool accomplishment. Um, just it, it was good to go out there and show people what I could do when I'm healthy, and it was just it, it was really exciting to go out there and play healthy
1: baseball. Nick, how much did having last year stopped when you guys were playing really well, number one in the country, how much did that hurt or motivate you to come back this year and be ready to play at a high level?
3: Yeah, no, it it was big. Um, Being a senior last year, I saw my baseball career almost come to an end. We didn't know if we would have another year of eligibility to come back and be able to play the game baseball again. So when we heard that we were able to come back and get another year, I really took that seriously and worked out as hard as I possibly could, hit as much as I possibly could, just knowing that I was going to get another chance to play at Southeastern and put on the Southeastern jersey again.
0: And tell us a little bit about your, you, so you brought up just really quietly about injury. So, injury in high school. Yep. Uh, that was a bilateral fracture in my L5. Okay. And and it's so bad that you wound up having to relearn how to walk
3: was the article I had read. So, yeah. so I originally got diagnosed with it my freshman year of high school and when i first went to the doctor they had me braced so i wore a back brace for six months and they were hoping that that would heal the injury heal the the bilateral fracture so i went back probably a month after two months after and then i went back for my six-month checkup and It just it wasn't healing right so the doctor then talked to me about the possibilities of having a surgery so then they could really repair it the right way and so I could play baseball again and had that surgery it was definitely the toughest thing that I've been through it was a spinal fusion. I had uh, four screws and two rods put in my back and really had to learn how to walk. And that, that was really tough. But the day after I had surgery, the nurse came into my room and said, all right, it's time to get up. And I kind of looked at her and my eyes got big and I was like, uh, she really serious. And, um, I shortly learned after that it was, it was a really aggressive recovery and uh physical therapy path, but it, uh, it all went smoothly. And I thank God that to this day, it's been feeling great. And, uh, I've really had no issues with it.
0: And then you go off to college mm-hmm. to
3: university of Miami and wind up hurting your elbow. Yes. Yeah. So my freshman year, I had uh Tommy John surgery. Yes. Okay. So, which leads us to, how did you wind up coming to Southeastern? Um, so, after University of Miami, I transferred after my freshman year to Hofstra. Stayed there for two years, played two years, and wanted to move on to a different school after that. And... Um, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to go Division 1, Division 2. Um, and I had sent out a, a mass email to a bunch of different NAIA programs. I, I looked at the top 25 schools and saw who, who were in the top 25 and sent those, those coaches some emails. And Coach Dinklin and I just got to talking, and really the rest is history.
0: And so tell us about that recruitment so, so NAIA, I mean, it's a little different than, than NCAA or the, or the others for recruitment. And you've had some real quality players come through here in the last, you know, four years. So, so tell us about that, that arc.
2: Well, I mean, as far as our niche, a little bit and at the NAIA level is we kind of put ourselves um, in a different bracket as far as what other L's are recruiting. So we have some, some grade limitations that we're allowed to get for some guys, you know, they're come out of junior college, whether it's, didn't have enough credit hours or ESL classes or, or or the latter and that's kind of the guys where eligibility standards in the NAI they they, they can play in you know they don't have a 2.5 they can't play in division two right where if below that they can play at our level and that's kind of been our niche or the other niche that we really hit you know going into this year if you look we have 27 division one transfers um where they might have been in Nick's case two two division ones um, and now that they're looking, hey, I didn't like my situation. I want to go somewhere warm or I want to go win. Uh, I'm tired of my situation. And that's kind of the route we've kind of taken. And that's the players that we've kind of attacked. And we feel like we found a niche there and had some success doing it.
0: And I know, Donnie, you know, it's, uh, the basketball programs had some success with, you know, Division One players that just weren't happy with their situation. So speaks
1: volumes of the quality situations here at Southeastern. Yeah, I think a lot of our coaches have have kind of found that niche uh, and through different relationships that they have uh, through coaching clinics or or whatever the case may be uh, to find people that are really good players, uh, but have found themselves uh, in a tough spot. Either they're not in a good area or uh, they're just looking for a different change of scenery Um, or maybe in some cases uh, have have kind of lost a little bit of passion for the game, uh, have kind of found a place where there's not nearly as much pressure and they can kind of relax a little bit and have some more success. So, Coach, tell us about. This. So, we
0: talked to you about this past year and 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 the loss of the season from COVID. Yes. Tell us about it. It had to have been tough on you too. So, you go twenty six and one, Right. and twenty five wins in a row, and the season stops.
2: Yeah, it came to a screeching halt. Um, obviously, that that group there, we loved, I and mean, that was a fun group of guys that could really, really hit. it's Probably the best offense that I've ever seen at this level. And so, when it kind of shut itself down a little bit, it was like, whoa. Uh, but, you know, we, it, it was what it was, nothing we can do, but there was a lot of blessings out of that. We, you know, you had Zach go move on with the Nationals. You know, he probably gets drafted higher if that doesn't happen, but then you get guys back like Nick and Colt nonstop some of our catalysts that we have this year. And so, it kind of gave us a start last year where we felt like the offense was there, but the pitching staff was a little light um, due to some injuries we had. So, it kind of was the option, hey, we can get – some key pieces back and let's just add to it and that's kind of the route we took instead of banging our head we said hey let's take advantage of it and, and move forward
0: and going into the bracket you you feel pretty confident you've come out of as the Sun Conference champion um, tell us about the this last season this the strengths of the team obviously hitting you said
2: yeah it's really been honestly going on it's been a Jekyll and Hyde year uh, for us in general and then sometimes we hit and then we don't pitch and then we'll pitch and then we don't hit. And I feel like, you know, these last couple games in the tournament was like really the first time that we did both. Um, and so it was, that was exciting to see and gratifying to see moving forward, that hopefully we continue that trend moving into this opening round. And then that's what we, we really need to focus on there is that we can continue that, that ball rolling, you know, downhill because I felt like we were pushing it uphill for a lot of the season.
1: I think a lot of times where you, you looked at the team and have been like, you know, we've got a really good lineup. We're really excited about who we have. But you kind of felt like there were some things missing at times. Seeing your team win five straight elimination games last week, getting three complete games out of some pitchers that have been uh, either a very big part of your success or had just come into some innings lately. How gratifying was that to build some momentum for this week?
2: It was good to see. Um, we've had some holes, you know, on the offensive side. We couldn't find a third baseman. We were playing musical chairs forever. And so you talk about we were always one step away on the offensive side or the defensive side. But then the pitching side, you know, a lot of people in the city, we lost our one and the kid that we thought was going to be our two in the last three weeks along with a kids as a closer was up to 100 mile an hour. Um, and we just kind of adjusted. So it was really gratifying to see people like DJ and Ronnie and some of these other guys that hadn't thrown um, and when I honestly had them throw them I in mean, through five to six, seven innings, and I'll set up throw more than that in a tournament. It was good to see them step up. Uh, but I think a lot of that is we've gotten better because these injuries almost force us to shorten our pitching staff and force us to use some guys and show that we trust them. Where before we had so many arms, I don't think they believed that we trusted them.
0: How did COVID affect this year? Were there different protocols that you had to go through?
2: Yeah, yeah, mean things a little awkward. I mean, they're they, they'll say they make things a little awkward. There's a lot of things you have to do, but yeah, there's a lot of different protocols, a lot of different ways you had to set rooming up on the road, a lot of different things you had to do in the dugout, a lot of different things from there. Uh, but the ultimate effect of what COVID did this year was honestly it was the injuries. You hear us talk about losing guys. It was. That summer off and not allowed to and do those, there was, it really impacted up, not just us, but a lot of teams around the country. You see a lot of different injuries and a lot of people just were in the shape that they probably should have been because they took vacations <laughs> instead of, you know, in Nick's case, he took advantage of it where you have a lot of other ones that did not. And so the impacts there were the injuries, but. COVID overall, man, I think we're lucky enough. We live in Polk County, right? Where yeah. We, we lived a little bit for your life than a lot of people. So I was, I was going to say with Nick, so you're New York, the city, or uh, so I'm, how far out? I'm pretty far out
3: east on Long Island, so I'm about an hour, hour and a half away from the city. Okay, but you were more or less shut
0: down then. So you no, you yeah. you experienced a, kind of a different experience than we went through. So
3: tell us a little bit about,
0: especially training in that.
3: Yeah, no, no. Uh, When the season first came to a halt last year, I went back to New York and that was really when it was at its height and its peak of people really wondering what it really was. So I went back home and my family were, uh, were blessed enough to have a at-home gym in our house. And then I also have a batting cage in our driveway. So my dad and I were joking that if there was one place to get ready for next season, it would be at our house just because of everything that we have there. So it wasn't really difficult for us to or for me to get my work in just because it was already there. We didn't have to try to find a hitting facility that was still open Mm -hmm. or I didn't have to find the gym that was allowing people to get in there and get their workouts in. So it it was, it was pretty seamless for me just to go in, go outside in the backyard and go get a lift in and then take some batting practice with my dad. So it, it really wasn't that difficult for me to get that work in.
0: And, and I assume, you know, like everyone else, everything else was, was Netflix. Yes. Yeah. Right.
3: Look,
0: yeah that's yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's a sort of sort of. If anybody came out on top from the from the pandemic, it's
1: Netflix. Yeah, so, yes. Coach, from your standpoint, how did you kind of continue some team unity and team chemistry once everybody left campus? Did you just kind of cut them loose, <laughs> or did you still try and keep tabs on them?
2: We kept tabs on them. There was times that we had some Zoom phone calls, but there was some of the guys we had coming back on Zoom. But for the most part, we we have we have adults on our team and so it was very simple that hey man these guys were they were pretty tight-knit as is so they they kind of kept in touch we would call and check in on them but it wasn't like a hey let's keep everybody together i think we're we're in a sport that's a little different that we're so used to when the season is over with we all just go our separate ways for three months anyways, right? Where you have other sports that that's not the thing. And mm-hmm. uh, our sport, it's, hey, June 1st comes up, June 4th comes up, It's they're off playing summer ball. And it's hard to keep tabs on them. So I know some other sports gotta focus on that. And you see a lot of people talking about, they had Zoom calls every week and was like, yo, know, we, we it was impossible for us to get everybody in there. We tried to at times, but I mean, you had Nick in New York, and you had somebody in Puerto Rico, and they were playing in a league, and it was so it was dang near possible. So we just we just made it as a staff to make sure let's reach out to somebody once a week and talk to them, shoot them a text, and see how they're doing.
0: So your background, you're a Utah guy.
2: Yep, correct.
0: And and you you come up through uh, through school and wind up on the coaching staff, and then tell us about your journey through through collegiate baseball.
2: Well. It, started out when I was, uh, after I graduated from Bethany College in AI in Kansas. And, uh, the goal was the whole time was to go back and be a high school baseball coach back home. Um, that was the whole plan. And So during high school, most of these guys like Nick, they go play summer baseball. I never did that. Um, I actually coached, I always coached Legion teams in the summer. So, you know, when I was 18 years old, 19 years old. I was the head Legion coach of a couple high schools. And that's what I did in the summers. And so I always thought that was when I was like, yeah, I want to go back home. I want to live in Utah. And, uh, once I graduated at the time, a guy named Matt Trammell was our head coach and I was an assistant with a guy named Mike Silva, who is at Louisiana Tech now, was the associate head coach. And they were like, yeah, and you'd be pretty good at this college thing. Why don't you give it a try? I said, nah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna go do that. And then honestly, they called me one night, right before I it small, how it works, and God works in weird ways here a little bit was, I was actually gonna take a high, was accepting a high school job in Utah. And uh, the coach calls me, he says, hey, he's like, I've been praying about it. And I really think that this is where you should be. He's like, I really. He's like, why don't you give it one try? Just come back here for one thing. He talks me into, convinces me, how he recruits me, signs me. And said, yep. So I went out there, and then next thing you know, I'm just I stayed in the college game. I coached there for four years. Then I went to coach junior college ball with Mike Silva, that's at Louisiana Tech. Now we went to coach there and then took over Sterling College in Kansas, and then now I'm down here with with Donnie Smith and the boys. So
0: quite a journey. It was a journey. That's, yeah. that's, but I wouldn't uh, change it. It was awesome. Yeah. And, and missing anything about Utah? Get back often?
2: Miss my family. Uh, okay. Don't get back as much. We'll go back this summer. Um, beautiful, beautiful state. Have no desire to uh, right now to live there. It's cold. Yeah. <laughs> These guys will attest to it. I am by far and away the softest person. I might be the softer person in Florida when it comes to the cold. <laughs> so uh, I, I definitely try to avoid being back there. But I, you know, obviously mom and dad and everybody still live there. And so that they definitely miss the family side of it.
0: And Nick, uh, so you graduate, you're, or you've graduated. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, So
3: I'm finishing up with my master's in business.
0: Business. Okay. And the future is, what do you think?
3: Um, I'm hoping to see where baseball takes me. And whenever my baseball career comes to an end, I would love to become a police officer down here in Florida. Really? Yeah. Really. What, what attracts you to law enforcement? Um, I have a bunch of family that's been in law enforcement, my uncle, my grandfather. So it's just something that I've, that has always been in the family. So just, I've always gravitated towards that.
1: Okay. Notice again, another northern guy that wants to stay in Florida. Yeah. yeah. You're a sense of theme. It's, it's well, me, you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was it's that first time you go back and you have to shovel. I don't know. That's what you, I was gonna say. We've yeah. all moved our last shovel full of snow. Yeah.
0: Hopefully. That that uh I I remember clearly going back to uh to my mother-in-law's place and waking up that morning and seeing that familiar glow in the in the room and going, Oh no, I'm gonna have to shovel. And and being out there shoveling going I'm never coming back here again. I'm never coming back here again. And that was it. So. Um, so going into the bracket, uh, do you want to talk about the teams you're going to face? Um, yeah, yes, so, no?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll actually, in our bracket, it ended up kind of with pre, the NAI preset some brackets this year. So you were kind of, you know, forced with there. Uh, we are very blessed as a conference to have uh, five teams in to the national tournament, which is the most ever. So obviously a lot of people respected our you know, Sun Conference and feel like it's the best conference in the country. And so our bracket will be the one seed. Um, we will play the winner of the 4-5 game which is USC Buford, a conference team and mm-hmm. Fisher out of Boston um, so in that situation, obviously we run into a situation where we're trying to avoid playing a conference team our first game out, but we could very well be in, in that category, and then our two seed is uh, Middle Georgia, which we actually have them as our two seed, at their place in 2019, and then our three seed is a uh, Brian college um out of tennessee and so gonna be competitive bracket we're looking forward to it and we'll see how things shake out
0: and tell folks about the challenges of hosting a bracket so this is this is a little different than what you guys normally do nine to five
2: it well i'll say this it's for me it isn't more on my table it's the first time i've hosted but it's been more on donnie's and drew watson's and the in and and my table and bj's table more than it's been mine i mean I've helped guide because I've been to plenty of opening rounds. This is, I don't know how many I've been to a lot, but I've been to a lot of different ones on the road. I've been to, every one I've been to has been on the road somewhere else. So we've seen the ins and out how it should be ran. So my my value is more of how can I help you, right? That, that's it more than I'm not really dealing with the grunt of it more than these guys are. So I'm sure there are challenges. I've been very lucky enough where they've kind of just left me out of it a little bit. Let me focus on the baseball side. I
1: think I think that's kind of the goal. If our coaches can just coach their teams and, and worry about winning, this will be the third national championship opening round we've hosted this year. We hosted a women's basketball, hosted women's soccer. And now we're hosting baseball. Um, and I think, like Coach Dinkle said, when you go out and you're in this kind of line of work, you kind of take some mental notes on things. You know, when, when we've gone to these different brackets, there's been some things that were really good experiences for us. There's been some things that we wish we, we would have done differently or, or wish things would have been differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that kind of helps us tailor our experience. Um, our goal is always to try and provide the best athlete, uh, best experience for the student athletes that are participating. Um, so the chance to, to play in a, a former spring training venue uh, and just try and do things at a high level uh, to make their experiences as enjoyable as possible. Uh, you know, certainly in, in 2021, you, you've got a new set of challenges where we're going to have to do some testing uh, twice during the tournament. And, and just find new facilities and, and different ways of doing everything. Um, but again, I think the the experience of having gone to some of these things in the past um, and being parts of different national championships has helped us.
0: And Winter Haven's made for tournaments. I mean, it's, yeah. it's one of those where the, 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 the whole infrastructure is set up perfectly. I mean, you can you can stand uh, at the door of the Advent Health Center and see a hotel. Yeah. There's places to eat. It's I mean, it's that easy to get around at this kind of thing. So, it makes it a little easier when you're having a tournament.
1: Yeah. I think it, the experience of, of Russ Matt being in this area and all the the Northern teams that come down during February and March to get games in, uh, I, I all the hotels are familiar with, with this kind of thing. They know how to host teams. They've had them in the past. Uh, the stadium is certainly familiar with hosting a bunch of teams and games uh, during the course of a week, so I think we're in a good position uh, to have a great tournament coming up this week. You know, Coach, Coach went through the, the lineup of teams. It's going to be a pretty competitive tournament. USCB uh, is, is a very good team. Middle Georgia we've seen in the past. Uh, Brian, a solid team coming out of the Appalachian and, and I think Southeastern probably playing the best that they have this year right at the right time. So, just for folks who want to come up, You can buy tickets there at the gate or? Our preference is that you buy them online at seufire.com slash tickets. Uh, We're selling them as day passes. So if you buy a ticket on Monday, you can come to all three games on Monday. Uh, Game times are going to be 11, 3, and 6.30 on Monday and Tuesday. Wednesday, we're down to two games. It'll be at 11 and 3. And then if we have to play on Thursday, an 11 a.m. game. And everything's in that main stadium. Everything so, is in the chain so, stadium. Fantastic. That's a, that,
0: you know, is it, it's a, uh, it's, it's a little old jewel now. It, it was, if, uh, I don't know if any one of you, I mean, you, well, you're too young. If any of you got a chance to come down and see it in its heyday, uh, when there were spring act, you know, major league spring training mm-hmm. games there, it's, uh, you know, it's still, it's still a lot of fun and, um, and it's nice to have, you know, Kind of, I don't want to say a send off. Uh, I think
1: Russ Matt next year will sure. probably be the last one, but uh, but, but but there's a chance Nick Batari could hit the final home run at the chain stadium. That's what I'm saying. That'd be pretty cool. Just plant that yeah. seed,
3: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> home
0: runs where you know Hall of Famers have hit home runs, yeah. so uh, it's a pretty cool thing,
3: mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah, we were talking at, the, at uh practice the other day when we were there, and we were just naming a bunch of the guys that could have or have been there before uh, from either the Indians or the Red Sox. And it was just, it was a cool list to start rattling off to everybody.
0: Did you get out to the, uh, to the mural they have? Okay. So they have a, a mural that the Indians left behind on one of the walls and it's the different Indians who came through uh, that's out there. That's pretty cool. Um, you know, some names you'll, you'll recognize. Uh, so it's a lot of history. So. Fantastic. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for joining me and uh, and best of luck.
1: No, I appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jack. Enjoyed it. <laughs>